huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Uh, happy basketball season, and absolutely nothing else has happened this week. The not basketball a, season. Not a thing. Not, not a damn thing. Just basketball season. <laughs> Just basketball season. Um, all right. Dan, I figure we start off a little um, with, you know, what happened uh, for Syracuse on Tuesday night. Um, and only Syracuse. Um, they had their second exhibition game of the season against uh, crosstown, quote-unquote, rival Lemoyne. Um, they won big. Uh, what were your kind of immediate reactions, assuming you probably either caught a little bit or spent a lot of time with the box score afterwards? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had the game on. Uh, there were other things that were drawing my attention away. Uh, but I would say that it was, a, after a, a sloppy start, uh, a pretty good performance for Syracuse that would make you feel good about the future of Syracuse over the next year or so. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a fair point. <laughs> I know we're just making veiled <laughs> references to something else. Who knows? <laughs> could be anything, really. <laughs> it's, it's my bowling game. Um no, uh, one thing I did notice, uh, if you want to look at, you know, the Indiana-Pennsylvania uh, game uh, versus the LeMoyne game was obviously the uptick in three-point shots. Um, in particular, in the first half, I feel like, you know, shooting didn't really look great um, in the IUP game to start. Uh, I know they shot four for 12 from three um, in the first half in that first game. Um, on Tuesday night, they were seven for 14. A lot of that was led by Andrew White the third, who really had a nice shooting game uh, scoring 24 points, including six threes. Um, I think the three is going to be a big part of the offense. I know it was last year. Um, what I'm very curious, what I think what a lot of people were very curious about is who was going to hit those. Um, I think it's going to end up being two newcomers for the most part in White and uh, Tyus Battle. I think that Leiden um, can hit threes. Uh, I think he's somebody who doesn't necessarily uh, create his own, however, and I feel like without Malachi Richardson, at least early on, um, you know, opposing defenses are going to be keying in on him until they figure out what some of these other guys can do. The scouting reports are just going to be very limited, um, especially on a guy like Battle, who, you know, all of his game tape is going to be from high school um, and these couple exhibition games. Uh, but, Dan, did you see something similar? The kind of the three ball uh, seemed to be guiding the way. Obviously, in general, they shot the ball um, pretty well in both games. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big part of the team again. Um, I think this team is probably a little better equipped to shoot the ball, or at least uh, spread the ball around a little bit more. Um, obviously, White looks like he'll be, I don't think he'll take 10 threes a game, but it'll, you know he's a guy who can have that kind of volume if you need him to. Um, and he's definitely a candidate to lead this team in scoring. Um, obviously, Battle, I, I don't remember him. The three-point, like it was definitely a thing he could do, but it wasn't like The feature his, of his game? Yeah, it was. I mean, he's more of like a, a, a creator and a, a rangy, Diving up to the hoop, um, but if he, you know, if he's gonna knock down like mid thirty percent of his shots, he yeah, had two for five last night. Um, that's a really four for five in the first game. He's at six threes yes. in two exhibition games. Yeah, if he's shooting like thirty-five to forty percent with his range and with some of the other guys on the floor, I mean, that's 
that's going to do wonders in spacing the floor because I know a lot of uh, you know heading into the season we we figured that was going to be more uh, John Gillen's role and and obviously Lydon playing his you know his role obviously he's not going to probably take quite as many as the guards but he obviously can knock them down after as we've learned last year um, even Frank Howard was not too afraid to take them last night it went one for three. Um, I don't think that's going to be a big thing for him, but I think he needs to be able to hit that shot uh, just so defenses can't totally sag off him. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a number of capable shooters. If battle's even better than we anticipated, it's going to be big. And, and if White can be that kind of go-to guy, uh, not unlike what Malachi or what uh, Benajay was last year shooting around 40%, I, I think that's a really nice team makeup. And obviously the three ball continues to be a bigger and bigger part of this offense, uh, which I'm fine with because that's the way the game is going. Agreed, agreed. Um, so getting away from shooting a little bit, um, it seemed like versus Indiana, Pennsylvania, there was a lot of um, kind of team basketball being played, especially when the team found itself down early on and then made a furious comeback and, and made short work of, uh, of the Hawks or whatever kind of Hawk they were um, at IUP. Um, in the second game, it seems like a lot of people were doing more uh, shot creation for themselves. I mean, Frank Howard was the only player to log more than two assists. Um, in general, the team only had 14 on the game against LeMoyne um, versus, uh, what was it, 21 um, against IUP. Do you think, Dan, that that's a, that's a product of this caliber of opponent where it's easier to create your own shot against LeMoyne or maybe it's more comfort in the system? Or perhaps are we looking at um, you know, a, a little bit of, a, of an identity crisis with um, distributors? Maybe I saw you know, Gillen seemed to be the, the primary distributor, um, in game one, um, and obviously was helped out a bit by White. Um, actually, Leiden ended up logging three um, in the first game, but then the second game, again, Howard had seven, and the next closest was two by Gillen. Um, so do you see this being something to watch, maybe, um, that, that distributors might be hard to come by in some games? Uh, yeah, I think especially early in the year. Um, obviously, we don't have, like, you know, big games every night, but I think this team is still kind of finding itself, and that's what you get when you have you know, two transfers and, and a couple of uh, high-impact um, freshmen, and then obviously uh, Chukwu, who is still finding his way. And uh, offensively, I don't expect him to be a, a huge factor this year. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit for them to really gel. And, and, you know, you can't expect every team to have the ball movement of, like, the 0-9-10 team, which obviously everyone played with each other for a while and, and knew each other inside and out. You know, this team, these guys haven't played with each other. I mean, the only, you know, huge offensive players that return this year um from last year's team are, are Leiden I mean Roberson is you know an offensive factor every once in a while Coleman you know was in and out last year and and Howard was limited last year so it's not like we have like half about half the rotation is, is brand new and the other half you know they all played very uh sporadic minutes and and that's not really even a group that probably played a lot together last season so I think it's a it's a work in progress. Um, I think Frank Howard was was really good last night from from what I saw. I do want to watch that game through again, um, like with a closer eye. But uh, I saw a lot of the Twitter reaction where Frank was was impressing a lot of people. And um, if he can, if he and Dylan, you know, I, I think we have two capable point guards. If they uh, can kind of split that duty, and and it might even be a case of like one guy matches up better than certain teams and others because they are kind of pretty different players um but I, I really like the makeup of the team i think it might take uh, a couple of weeks but i think by by mid-season this this will be a fun group to watch yeah i have to agree there i think you know we heard a lot of hype around um campus and around you know just some su circles in general i know some outsiders started weighing in that frank howard uh, could be in for a breakout this year um 
if you're telling me he's going to get 11 and 7 every night and, and hit a three, get, grab a couple boards, um, you know, I, I'm totally fine with that. I think, yeah, like you said, between him and Gillen, like pretty efficient shooting overall. I think 11 and 21 between the two of them. Uh, two for seven from three, which whatever. Um, it doesn't really matter with the opponent. But, yeah, I, I think the fact that the two of them are, if the two of them can, can distribute a little bit more um, and, and shoot similarly to the way they did um, against LeMoyne, um, I'm not really too worried about the point guard position. Um, Look at some other individual players. Uh, I know we mentioned Leiden a little bit. Um, he hasn't shot particularly well um, in, in the preseason. It was 5 for 10 in the first game, but 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, and then the second game is 3 for 9 and 0 for 4 for three, uh, from 3 once again, but 10 boards in each. Uh, Dan, what do you think is Tyler Leiden's ceiling uh, this year, uh, keeping in mind that you know he's going to kind of walk into this season unlike last year with a target on his back. Um, I, I expect like pretty big things. I don't think he's going to be like some breakout twenty point a game guy, but I think uh, I mean maybe even a lesser team he would be. Um, but I think he's going to fit in well. Uh, he's he's a really nice like chemistry player. He doesn't dominate the ball at all. He takes good shots. Um, he obviously does a lot on both ends of the board of the ball, where he's you know a solid rebounder, a really good shot blocker. Um, I'm expecting like a solid like 15 and 7, 15 and 8. Uh, obviously, he's going to be one of the focal points of the team, but I, I think it's going to be like one of those classic Syracuse teams where you don't see one guy really dominating the stat book. Like even you know I, we always say like the the 0-9-10 and then the 11-12 uh, teams, but like none of those teams had you know West Johnson had like what 16 points a game. Like you, right. you don't you didn't have a ton of guys like. You didn't have twenty point stores. You had a lot of dies. You could score like, in double digits. Yeah, you had a lot of dies hovering around eleven or twelve, and on any given night, one of them would drop twenty three on you. Um, and I kind of think that that's what this team will look like. I think um, more often than not, it'll be Leiden or White. Uh, maybe Gillen explodes for for twenty once in a while when he hits like you know three or four threes in a game. But I think this will be a pretty balanced uh, team. I think Leiden probably will be like the guy who fills the stat book the most because he can go get you uh, you know. A 17 10 three block game um but like you said he's also gonna be at the focal point where last year uh, obviously he had some huge names down the stretch but he was you know he had malachi and, and benajay on the team who were both uh the focuses of the defense and that allowed him to kind of uh find his spots and get open shots um but i still think this this team has enough weapons where you know even if he is more of a focal point it's not like he's going to be you know hounded the whole time i think you know teams are going to be forced to respect white and dylan and um the rest of the guys in this slot, especially, you know, if Roberson comes along, obviously that changes everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll fit in well and, and I'm not worried about him at all. I, I think he's just too good of a, a chemistry fit and uh, he just plays a smart game. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the regular season. Starting in a couple days. In a couple days, Friday, Friday, Friday. Um, Dan, I know we talked about like last year and because we were discussing Lydon a little bit. Uh, we talked about with him and a couple other guys that maybe overuse was, was uh, an issue and I think, you know, what you said there was was good in terms of um, distributing the ball more. And I think you're going to see the scoring load kind of, uh, you know, even out a little bit. I mean, Cooney had a couple games where he was great. But otherwise, last year, you were pretty much relying on a Benajay or Malachi game uh, for anything to happen. Leiden had a couple games, obviously, in the beginning of the year and then was key down the stretch. Um, but by and large, was not going to be your, uh, you know, your, your leading scorer on a night-to-night basis. Um, again, I'd like to see the three-point percentage go up. 0 for 8 in the preseason isn't great, but overall the fact that he hit all the free throws, um, he wasn't an awful shooter by any means, and he was uh, cleaning up on the boards. Um, I, I'd say Leiden you know, is, a, is a good candidate 
to be in that, like you said, maybe that 15-8 range. You know, last year um, he was giving us in 30 minutes, 10 and 6. I think I'd like to see him play closer to like 27 this year, but I think in 27 minutes he can probably give us 14 and 8, 15 and 8. Um, and, and I think that that's going to be you know testament to this entire offense. It's going to be more efficiency. Um, again, like th- this is a team. I know you mentioned uh, kind of the 0910 team, uh, who I think could really run really well. Um, and I don't know about this group just yet. Um, and, and you know the 1112 team that I think really couldn't run a ton, but played really good defense, um, and and had the ability to score. Um, I almost see this as kind of like a bizarro world 1314 um, team where you didn't know who was going to be the hero, but somebody was going to be able to pull it off. Um, I think that team was entirely based on defense, and then, like you said, that, that random clutch shooting performance by whether it was Cooney or Ennis or anyone else. Um, this team, on the other hand, might struggle a little bit on the defensive end uh, and, and then have a, a bevy of heroes to choose from uh, should it need it in what will probably be more high-scoring games this year that, than we've seen in the past few. Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. As much as I enjoyed, you know, moments from that 2014 season, like some of those teams are really tough to watch. And then obviously the year after, with you know with the Rack and Company show, um, wasn't the prettiest basketball. Last year we came along a little bit in that regard, uh, but this should be, I think, the highest scoring team probably since the 2012 team. Just even 2013, like that team could store on you with the MCW but and, didn't and do Sutherland, so that all that frequently. but didn't do that often. And then they, they were fine, you know, driving the pace down and then just absolutely locking you up. Um, this team, I think just because, you know, same thing with, with kind of the, the chemistry and the you know, ball movement, I think it's going to take a little while for some of these guys to, to learn the zone. You're not having, you don't have six guys who know exactly what they're doing. You have a handful. Um, if that, you have three or four that really understand the defense. So I, I think, a, that, you know, we, who knows how much man-to-man we see during the regular season, but it, it uh, seems to be on the table. I don't know how much they played last night. Um, but you also are going to probably have more games where, the, you know, you're not just not getting those stops after stops, and you're going to have to store the ball. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting team. You don't usually see Syracuse teams where you have such major overhaul on year-to-year basis but still have these expectations. So I think we are in kind of uncharted territory, but I think most of us are, are up for it and, pretty excited about it yeah no i completely agree and you know what uh, it's a perfect segue there into the defense a little bit um obviously man-to-man has been mentioned and and utilized um in the preseason uh we we said this you know during i think it was either last week's or the week before i think it was last week's podcast talking about you know the, the reasons for man-to-man and why uh jim Beheim might want to go to a little bit more because you have so few players who've used the zone um you know in in a game situation um but yeah, I think people need to get used to um, not seeing the teams that we've seen in the past few years. You're not going to see the the uh, the twelve thirteen team that literally just ground teams in, in, into the floor. I mean, you look at that Elite Eight game against Marquette as case in point, um, and then a few years since then as well. I know last year, um, I think we started to see some glimmers of what we might see this year, which is the press. Um, you know, I think Jim Beheim's always been defined by consistency. Um, but the thing that, that really got us to that uh, final surprise final four bid last year, I, I, in part, was you know the, the press and, and, a, and a change in the, the tempo and a change in, in the, uh, the blueprint. Um, the teams just weren't ready for. Um, and you, you know, you look at a team like Virginia that was you know senior heavy, um, a veteran group that'd been to the tournament a few times already, um, were taken by surprise, suffocated by it very quickly. Um, I think with a more athletic team, I think with a quicker team. Uh, maybe a smaller team, 
this year in some in depending on the lineup. Uh, I mean, you can really go big or small with this lineup, which is another great asset. Um, I think we could see a little bit of that if uh, the going gets tough um, at, at the end of a few games. Yeah, and that's really my my the biggest intrigue of this team for me is the rotations, both offensively, where you have a lot of different possible lineup. To- uh, combinations and you could get you know three or four shooters in the floor at all times but defensively too you have the ability to uh put a Leiden and a, and a Chukwu back there where you have two legit shot blockers obviously Chukwu's like seven three so he's gonna be like a rare thing for any team to see um but then you can also uh get into you know races because you have so many guys who can play or you have at least you know white and and battle who can both play at the top of the zone or on the wing um who knows how comfortable they'll be doing both but uh you definitely have that uh, ability, so I am interested to see um, a obviously how much man we play if at all because I do think that if they really wanted to, that could be a thing they do. I don't know how effective it'll be based on uh, what I saw in the first game, but also just being able to adjust to different pieces and a different playing styles and uh, the different lineups that you see. Um, I think this is definitely more. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how how much Bayham commits to uh, changing up the rotations and and uh, playing uh, more than his normal like seven and a half men. I think. If he's ever going to do it, it'll be with this team, and it seems like he's more open to it than he's been in a long time. Yeah, and I completely agree there, and I think it's 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 almost essential to, um, you know, this team's survival. I think a lot of people have been very high on SU. Anyone who mentions them as a dark horse Final Four contender or a national title contender have all said, you know, either added a caveat with the defense or just added a caveat in general about these pieces gelling together. Um, like you said, Bayheim seems more willing to change than normal. Um, we'll see. I, I, I do think and hope that Hopkins is going to be a little more involved. Um, obviously, it's still Jim's team, but I would think that Hopkins would be a little bit more involved in the rotations and maybe some of the in-game decisions, uh, because while he got some experience in that regard last year, um, having Jim next to you there to, to help talk through some of those uh, calls, um, obviously a huge, huge asset that most uh, coaches would kind of kill for, and that on-the-job training. Um, I, I think that, you know... There could be some growing pains here, and I'd rather see them kind of worked out. Um, the non-conference, obviously we have a couple tough games. Uh, Georgetown should be a little bit tougher. Uh, Wisconsin is going to be very difficult on the road. Um, so those games aren't the ones that you're going to see uh, going to see a lot of dice rolling, but against some of these lesser opponents that SU faces, um, you, you know, you're definitely going to see um, some changes. You're going to see stuff like Leiden at the three, which he didn't play a ton of last year. Um, you know, you'll definitely see some mix-ups with big lineups. You'll see how different players play together. We can end up with two point guards on the floor at different times. Um, I'm excited about it. I think, you know, this is one of the first times in a while where, um, again, we can sit here and say, like, I'm not sure the five that are going to be on the floor at all times, but I know that that the team is going to be able to plug in different guys at all times and different uh, lineup formulations uh, to make this thing work eventually. Yeah, and and I wouldn't be shocked if this is like a team where people are kind of frustrated uh, in the beginning. We might, you know, take one of those early losses that you know for a long time with teams that we never had. Now, uh, every so every pretty much every year, I feel like we have one loss that people you know go nuts over, um, warranted or not. So that might happen, but uh, I think by midseason, I, I'm very excited. I remain incredibly optimistic, and I, I actually kind of appreciate that um, Syracuse seems to be flying way farther under the radar than I probably thought heading into the year. I thought there would be a little bit more buzz and there, you know, there, there's some, but not, um, not nearly as much as I thought considering Thanks, all the Duke. pieces here. 
Yeah, Duke, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. With <laughs> all your freshmen, blessed. even though two of them are hurt. <laughs> Which, that's not good. Uh, we'll get to the ACC in a little bit. A uh, couple other folks I wanted to talk about. Um, we'll get to the big man in a few, but uh, we mentioned him a little bit in the beginning. Andrew White. Um, White was known as a scorer coming in. Um, I think he did a really great job of that at Nebraska. But what we've seen from him in these first two games, um, it kind of echoes something I know that um, some SU folks have said uh, during training camp. Uh, I know John Rothstein said it um, from CBS when he did his annual like Syracuse info dump when he went up to campus, um, and that was his, so much, so much, info. so much someone and other player. But it was always Demetrius Nichols, and you know what? He's not wrong. <laughs> um, Dan, I know Demetrius is kind of before your time. Yes, he is. Uh, I mean, I, I know of actually yeah. fun. I, I think Demetrius Nichols, I think the first weekend I was at Syracuse, uh, we went out and we were like on Marshall Street, um, probably like 2 a.m. And Demetrius Nichols and uh, Terrence Roberts popped out of Insomnia Cookies and they were both <laughs> clearly hammered. And uh, my roommate, who was a, a lifelong SU fan, unlike me, was like freaked out because they both like turned the corner and we like almost bumped into them. And he like lost his shit, and uh, yeah, so I, I knew who that was pretty quick. Good time, good times as a freshman at Syracuse. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, uh, Demetrius Nichols was the leading scorer on the freshman year team uh, when I was at SU. Um, he scored thirty nine points against St. John's once. Uh, that was awesome to watch. There was maybe one St. John's fan in the entire dome. They were heckled. Um, he was the only player who could really score on that team consistently. Uh, Devo was on that team. Uh, some other guys were on that team. You know, Roberts, Watkins, uh, a few others. But uh, that team really needed Nichols to score. That isn't the case with uh, White, and that's what has me so excited about him, is that uh, you know Nichols really needed to kind of take the uh, the weight of the world on his shoulders there. And he was an elite scorer. He's actually one of the, I mean, in that last season, too, he's one of the more prolific scorers, uh, single-season scorers in SU history. Um but, you know, he could be erratic. Um, he definitely had to do it all for that team when it came to, uh, to uh, you know, carrying the load there. Um, so I, I see the comparisons, but I do think that White uh, seems to be a little more of a steady shooter, more consistent. He, uh, his confidence, um, you know, it, it do- doesn't lack for anything. Um, White could, I mean, I, I think minutes-wise he'll get limited enough um, that he's not going to... Um, you know, start knocking on the door of, of, of 20 points per game. But, you know, I I think it's it's realistic to see someone scoring 18 points a game or so, and that'll probably get you top five or around there in the ACC, which is great. Yeah, I, I think 17 or 18 is probably about right. I think he and Battle could actually have, like, not they're not, some, they're not like a, a total, like, mirror image of, but I think numbers-wise it wouldn't shock me to see the him and battle put up similar like dual numbers to Benajay and uh, um, Malachi. It, probably not the same like assist totals for Benajay, like because Benajay was running the point obviously, and um, that would actually be battle that would be running the point if either of them does with any you know time. But we obviously have two more pure point guards, so I think scoring wise, it wouldn't shock me if those guys combined for like thirty one, thirty two a game. I would absolutely take that. Uh, would also mean that Ty's battle is definitely gone to the NBA. Which, again, Syracuse fans, uh, do not wish ill upon Syracuse players that leave early. That means that we did a good job pretty much without fail. Um, there are exceptions there, of course, and even if uh, Syracuse did not have a great season coinciding with a player leaving early, uh, they're an adult. Is there uh, 
decision to go to the NBA. Uh, they might have a responsibility to their family or their kids or whoever it may be. Um, can't judge anyone for wanting a shot at the NBA, especially if you have a guaranteed first round uh, selection. Yep, I feel like uh, we need to like just build a sign somewhere and just put that up. Yeah, that's fine. I, uh... Eventually, we'll get it. Like eventually, <laughs> people will understand that that is like the the reality. But you know, until that point, we will we will continue to harp on it even before the first game of the season is played. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Yes, battle I mean... battle could very well be an NBA player. I would put it at about. I probably put it at like sixty forty that he goes. To be honest, that's fair. Um, and, and people and that might be, re- be low. No, and people need to be realistic about this. Is you know, if if you want the if you want the accolades of of being a perennial top ten, fifteen team, if you want to be a national title contender year in and year out, if you want top five, top ten recruiting classes, this is how it works now. Um, we recruit. I think in at least re- until recently, we were recruiting about an equal measure: four year guys and one and done guys. I think. We've tipped the scales a little bit there and maybe too far in the one-and-done, but we're not getting one-and-done guys who can't contribute in their time at SU. Um, I think you look at a guy like Lydon that could have been one-and-done potentially. Richardson obviously was one-and-done. Um, I think Battle's a guy that even if he got, does go one-and-done, um, is going to be a, you know, a very productive player. Uh, I, I think that that's also causing a lot of the roster turnover, and that's why we are kind of looking you know, over the edge of a cliff right now with a, a 2017 class that needs to be big and has not yielded anybody yet. Um, but at the same time, like again, fans need to adjust expectations. They've adjusted expectations in terms of uh, what they want to see at the end of the season, but they still haven't adjusted expectations in terms of what the NBA and its scouts see um, in orange players. I think there's, what, 12 players um, from SU currently in the NBA? I mean, that's a high watermark by far. Yeah, especially because, like, while people have knocked, like, the uh, output of NBA players coming from Syracuse, like, there aren't that... Uh, Kentucky is it's its own thing. Like, Kentucky has so much more, so many more guys right now than everyone else. Um, Duke is kind of catching up, but, like, Duke hasn't put, like, a bona fide superstar in yet. There are a couple guys that might become that. But beyond those two, like, you're not... You don't have that many teams putting in a guy or two every single year. Syracuse is probably in the next, uh, that next run... And just because none of them have become, like, superstars yet, like, doesn't mean that one won't. Um, And it's not like there's a a college that is putting out, like, two- and three-year players where there's, like, three or four all-stars, you know, from that group. It's Kentucky and and then, to a lesser extent, maybe Duke is developing into it, are, like, the only schools where you can say consistently that there are going to be NBA stars entering the league every year, every other year. So the fact that Syracuse hasn't, like... Put it doesn't have like three or four all stars. Like, isn't really a referendum on Syracuse. It's just, you know, the rest of the all stars in the NBA are kind of spread between uh, a number of different schools. Like, and then especially when you have like guys like Dame Lillard coming from small school ball. Like, it's all over the place. But Paul George coming from uh, where did he go? Fresno State. Like, Steph. it's yeah, obviously Steph coming from Davidson. Like, it's so all over the place beyond mostly the, the Kentucky guys, which are like their own thing because that's how Calipari runs the system um that it's hard to really get worked up over it and I get like why you know you 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 take the bait from like UConn people but like UConn's not putting in even as many I mean maybe the same but probably fewer guys in the NBA maybe they've had one or two that have done slightly better than like the recent Syracuse guys but it's not like they're blowing people out of the water so um I think Syracuse fans almost take the bait a little bit too much with that but uh I think if, if there were fewer players coming out of Syracuse um the argument would actually be like weaker and that that's weird and dumb 
Like, just because there have been, like, consistently one or two guys every year and none of them have exploded doesn't mean, like, they're not doing a good job because generally players will tell you, like, help me get into the NBA, but then they're going to believe in themselves to do it um, from that from there that's kind of the Kentucky thing like they you know they know that playing for Cal they'll have you know a ton of exposure and he knows how to get them into the league after that it's like up to them right and yeah you look up and down Syracuse's schedule I mean they're on television like 20 some odd times yet again Bayheim and now is a proven track record of getting a lot of players into uh, the NBA again you could debate how well they do once they get there but that doesn't matter if your ultimate goal is to get to the NBA um, it's not Beheim's responsibility or job to make you an all-star. It's 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 the players and, and his, you know, the pro coach. Uh, once he gets there, to help him develop into that. Um, I know you mentioned the draft stuff. I don't have the article up in front of me, but I remember the one I put up um, around the draft this year. Uh, it was SU's one of only five schools to have somebody drafted in the first round of each the last five years. And the other schools in that list, the two you mentioned, Kentucky and Duke, plus North Carolina and Kansas. Yeah, um, so... So, I mean, to be to be in that company is great. I know we're, we're either fourth or fifth on that list in terms of overall players drafted, uh, which, again, pretty great. Um, and th- this is not a bad time to be an Orange fan by far. Um, and, and, if, and if we need to tell you that, then I, this must be your first listen. <laughs> Yeah, and even guys who haven't like turned into to superstars. Obviously, Wes Johnson was drafted very early, and he hasn't you know panned out in terms of you know he's not an all star. But Wes Johnson's been playing the NBA for like twelve years. <laughs> like that's pretty good. You will sign for that, I think. He's entering. He's actually become like the the, the new age Hakeem Warwick uh, of that, almost that exact same kind of position. I mean, a little bit. He's definitely not as big as Warwick was, and I think that Warwick was a was a better defender and. and you know, it was more of a force on the boards, but, uh, you know, Johnson's become a little bit of this 3 and D type guy who, you know, you can make a great living doing that, especially in the current NBA uh, salary environment. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing eight years in the NBA, especially in the next, you know, if your career is starting in the next, like, two, you're going to make a lot of money. And, you know, whether or not you, I don't think you becoming a, an all-star is because you went, or not, is because you went to play for Jim Beheim, but you will get... Like you said, on TV, 25, I mean, with the tournament, like upwards of 30 times a year. And plenty of people will see you play. And you will, I mean, look at Tyler Lydon. He was mostly, I would say an unknown. He was like a four-star recruit. But he wasn't a blue-chip guy that everyone was talking about entering the year. And he was very much on, like, the first-round radar um, this spring. And he is on the first-round radar for uh, pretty much everybody heading into this season. So, um, clearly the Syracuse program is working out for the guys that come through it. Yeah. I mean, look, Malachi played himself into the first round yep. last year, just, just by way of just the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like Malachi was a five-star guy. We all thought he'd be very good. I don't think we thought he was as automatic a one and done as like battle this year. Um, but there was a shot and then he exploded in the biggest stage and, uh, dominated Malcolm Brogdon on a, in a hugely notable game, and next thing you know, he's going to be you know a mid to late first round pick, and you know he's unfortunately on the Sacramento Kings, which is its own issue. <laughs> but um, you know that wasn't his decision, uh, and he's getting paid first round money, so that's pretty pretty solid, and he has as good a chance to make it as anyone else. I would concur, um, Dan. We're going to do a little halftime before we get to the big men, and then we can go on to some of our other programming um, here. What have you been drinking for the past week? Um, 
I actually didn't drink anything yesterday, which should surprise some people uh, for a number of reasons, but I really wanted to. Um, I wasn't doing a ton of beer, but the one thing, we went out on Friday to a, a beer house um, uh, in Astoria, or at Long Island City, I guess, technically, in Queens, um, and they had you know those like giant 32-ounce pints, so I had... Two of those, and both were uh, the Billy Halfstack IPA from Single Cut, which is, you know, a solid go-to. Obviously, when you're in Queens, you can probably find it pretty much everywhere. Um, so really enjoyed that. Uh, not, like, the, the most bold Single Cut, but, you know, that's one of the more common ones. And very super good IPA. No complaints there. Uh, and then also had a couple of Aladash Whites, which uh, another one that you can find pretty steadily at any decent beer place. Um, but a, a really good standby, so... Uh, nothing too fancy, but some some solid ones that uh, are always always welcome. Good times, good times. Um, a couple things I had was down Long Beach at a restaurant I hadn't been to. Grabbed uh, from Phantom Carriage. Uh, it was a wild ale. It's a Muis. Uh, it was all right. It was a local brew though, so I always like to support where possible. Also had a 1903 lager from uh, Craftsman Brewing up in Pasadena. Uh, had a couple of Ninja vs. Unicorns and Pipeworks to finish off uh, those that I had. Uh, had a Ruminator from uh, the brewery. It was a barrel-aged Doppelbach. Uh, very, very good. Had a uh, Velicor with boysenberry from uh, Monkish. Velicor is a sour blonde. They had boysenberries. No complaints here. Um, and also had Snugglebug. Um, it was a boysenberry and raspberry. Um, sour from Smog City. And from uh, Blue Falls Brewery in Wisconsin had uh, their Hef, which I thought was actually one of the better Hefs I've had in a while. I, uh, for some reason, like not like actively tried to avoid Hefs, but I just ended up avoiding them for a little bit. And yeah, this one was very good. Had it, uh, had it on Sunday night. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Dan, kind of finishing out the roster, um, big men. What? Uh, there's obviously three guys we're going to be uh, looking at more than others. Uh, Pascal Chukwu, who was a transfer from Providence. He's not a grad transfer, however, so he redshirted last year. Um, he seems to be the best of the bunch in terms of really getting after boards, um, but I haven't seen a lot on the offensive end for him. Um, obviously, uh, the other two are known quantities for SU fans. That's uh, Tyler Roberson and uh, Daywon Coleman. Uh, Dan, do you see them just kind of interchanging at the four and five spots, um, along with maybe some Leiden in there for smaller lineups? Um and just playing maybe 25 minutes a piece. Uh, I really like that you refer to Tyler Robertson as a known quantity. Um, sure, whatever. Because <laughs> he's a guy that we've seen play a lot. Yeah, that's really all. Known... <laughs> that's the only um, thing I can say about him, actually. Your name's Tyler, and, and I've seen you play a couple times. I've seen you play a number of games. Occasionally you are amazing, and occasionally I forget you're on the team. Um yeah, I, I think it's an interesting group overall. Uh, Roberson obviously is eclectic as hell. Uh, when he plays Duke, he stores like 18 points and averages like 14 boards. I don't know that those numbers are accurate, but they're pretty close. Uh, and those were just off the top of my head. Like, it's something like that. It's insane. I'll, I'll back him up. I don't care. I mean, he, he, he yeah, he's, he's so good against Duke. And so, who knows? And it's everyone else. Um, if he can somehow focus that anti-Duke energy on the majority of the games in the schedule, like he's an All-American. Um, but other nights, like, you, just, you just don't know what you're getting from him, and his lack of jump shooting is a major issue in terms of you know spreading the floor on the defense. I think that will probably be a lesser issue this year, just because we have more guys you can pair him with uh, to spread the floor. 
but it, it makes him tough uh, against certain certain lineups. And you know, if you're if you need him to be any kind of focal point of the offense, it's it's just going to be a, a dicey proposition. Uh, I don't think he's going to be asked to do as much offensively this year as he was last year. So we'll see. Um, I think if he's just a good glue guy and, and can get you like eight and eight most nights and then occasionally blow up, like I think Bayham will probably sign for that. Um, I think he, uh, obviously Leiden, we, we kind of already talked about, he kind of goes in and out of both groups as he can play on the perimeter, but he also play inside. Um, I'm interested to see how much they use him at the five. Um, because obviously last year he played there, I guess more than they would want. Uh, because of the depth issues, he probably doesn't need to play there very much, if at all, this year. But I do think that he was so good there in spots that you almost want to see what happens. Like for five minutes a game, just throw him at the five, see what you can do with the the five wide sets on offense, and and he's good enough on defense, especially with his uh, ability to block shots, um, where you don't lose too much. Uh, you just don't want him to drop, pick up too many fouls. So I, I am interested to see um, how much how much small ball we do with with him in there. And then the two big guys, I, I, I really want to see what Daywan gives us. Um, he obviously has not been able to put together like a full season due to his injuries. Uh, he played all of last year, but, you know, there are some games where he was in and out right away, and that was kind of it. And there were some games where he gave a nice lift. Um, I think if you can get a good 20 minutes a game out of him, uh, 15 to 20 a game, and he can put some points on the board and, and continues to go up strong with the ball, like I think he'll take that and use his fouls. And then Chukwu, I think, uh, offensively, is going to be a work in progress. Um, but defensively, I mean, he's just such a presence. And like you said, he he's, appears to be one of the better rebounders on the team already, uh, on a team that has a couple of other good ones. Like, I think that first game they struggled to rebound a little bit. But on paper, Leiden, uh, Roberson, Chukwu, and, and Daywan, and, and even, you know, you have guys like White and Battle who are pretty big for their positions. And not to even mention Torian Thompson, who is a huge recruit and – uh, kind of added late, and I feel like people are forget about even though he was like such a, a touted player. Um, there's a lot here. Uh, it's it's just like the the backcourt rotations. It's gonna be interesting to see how we get all of them in, especially a guy like Thompson who joined the team probably expecting to play a decent amount. And uh, it might be tough to find minutes for everyone, but I think um, that's kind of one of the joys of this team. Yeah, no, I completely agree there. I think that you know Thompson. I know he said he wants to play. I feel like he is going to play. Um, but I, I just don't know how. I don't know how much he is going to see the floor. Um, assuming those other three bigs stay healthy, um, that's not a bad thing. I think I, I kind of prefer it in terms of depth to have him and Moyer. Uh, you know, especially with uh, with Thompson, be nice to have him a little bit of experience. Moyer coming in fresh uh, to be able to kind of build on that, and a few of these other guys uh, would be great going into the following season. But in the here and now. Um, Thompson's going to be learning on the job a little bit, and it'd be good for him to be able to observe under, you know, guys who have been here for, for several years, uh, such as Coleman and, and Roberson. Uh, I, I think Coleman, Coleman was, was at 17.5 per game last year. Like you said, he did play every game. I'd like to see him get up to 20, but um, if he's going to be, if he's going to give us 5-5 five and five and a block and, you know, just be a presence um, in the middle. Um, I, I could deal with a similar kind of line as he had last year. Again, likes a little bit of an uptick. Um, when it comes to Roberson, uh, he did 8.5 and, and 8.8 and 8.5 and eight and last year. Um, I, and that was in about 31 minutes. I think that, you know, again, we said this about a lot of guys, that was overuse for him. I'd like to see him down to around 25 to 27, and I think he can still probably give us about 10 and 9. 
Um, that's a pretty good line for uh, what we'll need them for. Uh, even if it ends up being 9 and 10 or 8 and 11, anything like that. Um, Roberson's a, a pretty solid rebounder. He's great on the offensive boards. Um, and if he can put it together consistently, uh, he could be one of the more dangerous players um, you know, in the conference. Uh, and again, you know, then going over to Chukwu, I think Chukwu's going to be great on the boards, and that might buy him some more time on the floor. Um, the offense is going to be interesting, and I do kind of look forward to seeing just how much Beheim will test things around with, uh, with some of the things you mentioned with Leiden, um, just in terms of you know, whether he plays at the five. If he does, um, it'll be you know, sparingly. I mean, I'd prefer he doesn't really get banged around too much in the paint, um, but especially when we have you know, at least three, if not four other bigs, uh, you know, take that kind of pounding with, with more weight on their shoulders. But um, alas, I, I think we're well set um, there from a body standpoint, probably better than we have been in a few years, which is a relief. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, what like what rotations they they put Chuku in with. I almost think he might end up playing more with like the Leiden, um the shooter group because he ap- appears to move really well for his size, and you might not lose a lot in transition with him. Uh, you might even get like some chase down blocks, some some easy uh, dunks on the other end. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what what groupings that uh, Beheim is most comfortable with him in because. Uh, as we've seen with like some of the better shot blockers, Fab Mello, um, Christmas, in, in past years, like there have been times where they've where Bayheim's been very uh, cool leaving them on an island, and it's it's worked out to uh, to some interesting transition opportunities. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if they try to use Chukwu in that same that same way. I would agree. Um, all right, moving on to the Greater ACC. Um, I think we can agree that Duke is projected number one, right? Yeah, I mean, well, they're definitely projected. I I think they are warranted as well, as long as they stay healthy, which is a, a bigger question. That always seems to be, and it sucks too, because I feel like, uh, you know, Duke has really put together some great talent. I know you and I talked about this two years ago uh, during the Final Four, that Coach K really found a way to uh, kind of merge the best of his own styles and uh, Calipari styles to better results. Um I think Duke's going to be a fun watch this year um, in a lot of ways. Hopefully a much better defense than they had last year. I think that was one of their uh, their biggest Achilles heels was just the fact that they couldn't play defense uh, to the same level that we've seen in the past. Um, not that it was ever a calling card at Duke, but I again, I did always feel like it was something that they could do well. Um, but then beyond them, I think it's kind of a muddled group. I think Carolina um, is, is your, your next most talented. And then after that, um, I don't buy into Virginia – as a clear-cut number three, um, and you might agree, I think Louisville and Syracuse might be a little interchangeable at four, but I'm fine to take SU at full five for now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's your top five, and then after that, I think that all hell breaks kind of loose. Yeah, uh, Virginia's interesting. Um, I think London Parentes is a very good player. I've already heard, like, the how is he still in college stuff with him. Um but he's just such a steady presence, and and obviously he was a pretty lights out three point shooter. I know he had a, a couple of huge games against us last year. Um, it's just a matter of like, do they do they keep on replacing? Like they they lost Harris a couple of years ago. They lost Brogdon last year, and it, it's tough to see. You know, are they going to be able to uh, kind of replenish that talent because they had such a, a good you know solid group for three two to three seasons that that kind of built this program into what it is. Um, but Prentice is still there, and that. Uh, 
is a lot more than a lot of teams have when you have a point guard presence like that. Um, so they, they're good. I don't know that they're going to be the number three team. I think we definitely, the top five, it seems like pretty, uh, it's hard to really argue. Um, I know a lot of people, some people have Syracuse lower, uh, but CBS seemed to be lower almost across the board on us for some reason than like any other publication I'd seen. Yeah. Um, not really sure why people, some people are really high in NC state. Wait, uh, I know sure, whatever. Yeah, I feel like this every year. Like, oh, NC State's really talented. It's like, yeah, well, eventually they might get there. <laughs> People say the same thing about NC State football, too, actually. It's really funny how that works. Yeah, I think NC State basketball is like, I, they, they do tend, I, I feel like they, they end up like me, uh, coming to the same like place versus their expectations. I think football is like a run or two lower just based on like what they are talent wise. Like, NC State basketball is a ton of talent, but right. like, I don't know that they're trying to be like the third or fourth best team in this conference. And, and, they haven't really proven it yet. They get like, I feel like they have like a couple big wins every year, but then, you know, they fall apart in the middle of the schedule or they just don't live up. Well, like what has Godfrey um, really proven as, as a coach that he, I mean, other than that, like one tournament run where they went like around further than they were supposed to. I like, I am very curious, like why people are so willing to buy in hard on him when he has not really, like he's had talent on his roster and he hasn't done a ton with it. So I'm just curious, like what the sell is. And, and whether he's even one of the top, even in the top half um, of coaches in the ACC right now, given how deep this league is with coaching talent. Yeah, I mean, it's just deep overall. This year, it's kind of filthy. Like, when you have Notre Dame conceivably in, like, the bottom third of this league, and and Pitt, too. Like, Pitt brings back most of its team from last year, which wasn't a great team, but it was a team that could beat most most people. And you have them sitting, uh, looking at CBS, three of the four guys have them at 12. Like, that's nuts. And, and it might like, and I remember seeing that and being like, "That's crazy." And then I'm like, uh, "Maybe, like they could be 12, and and they they could be 12, and they could also be a tournament team. Probably not at 12, but like at 11. It's not. It's yeah. It's not crazy to think that this league gets 11 in. Like it's you know, someone will probably fall off. Like either Clemson can't put anything around Blossom Game or Notre Dame just falls apart. You know, because they've had a couple really good years. Or Vatet doesn't is like a year away. Like odds are one of these teams that that is getting uh, promoted pretty high uh, doesn't end up living up, but I find it hard to think that like this team gets less than like nine in. Like it, it's really deep. Yeah, I mean I'm looking then, down. I'm looking down the list, and and then there's the last. Then there's the last three, but we need to, we don't need to spend too much time on them. Shout out to shout out to our, our rivals at Boston College. Yeah, I mean BC is not a real team, but like Wake and Georgia <laughs> Tech are actually going to be like interesting to watch. Like. Wake is getting better, and Danny Manning's making that group better. Um, we're just not seeing the wins necessarily coincide just yet. Um, Georgia Tech actually is better. Uh, they went 19, and they, they went nineteen and fourteen last year. Yeah, and they have a new coach. Um, that coach is maybe not great, but he's new. Yeah, <laughs> new new can sometimes be good. Like I mean, you look at Pitt. New is probably not good, uh, especially considering that their old coach seemed to have a. Uh, an odd control over Syracuse's zone, and I don't think that'll be the case this year. Um, oh, I can't wait to not have to face Jimmy Dixon ever again. Yeah, like ever, ever again. And I'm really glad that TCU overpaid to get him a hometown discount that wasn't a hometown discount at all. Um, so, Dan, looking up and down this list, uh, short tournament teams for me, UNC, Virginia, uh, Louisville, Duke, and Syracuse, I'd say uh, surefire in. Um, after that, uh, I'd say Virginia Tech, Miami, Florida State, Clemson are probable in. And then you could, uh, uh, I guess, NNC State. 
NC State's probably a tournament team. I just don't know if they're going to be like a great team, but I think they're probably at least a tournament team. Fair. That, that, unless that, something goes wrong. That, that was him trolling. So, yeah. So you, you, <laughs> you, you've got five definite ends. You've got five probable ends. I'm adding uh, NC State to that list. So then that leaves four at the bottom. You can get rid of Boston College. So Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Notre Dame. Uh, you could convince me of two of those teams getting in potentially. Yeah, I mean, I think any of those, any from that group could get in. It won't be all just because, like, the league the will beat itself up too much. And, and they're not going to put, you know, they're not going to put 13 teams from the ACC in. Like, it's not never going to happen. But I think 11 is probably on the upper end. And it might just be a case of, like, the bottom couple teams beat each other up during the year and ends up, like, you know, one or two of those teams might both be good enough to be in and they just only, they can only put one in. So uh, I think this is probably the deepest we've seen the ACC since we joined. Um, it's right up there with how deep the Big East would be uh, on a year-to-year basis. I think this It probably is. I think this group's deeper at the top and all the way through. I mean, yes, it has, like, Boston College subs in, in, in the uh, the noted DePaul role. But, but uh, <laughs> other than that... <laughs> now starring as DePaul, Boston College. <laughs> Although, wasn't DePaul one of the 11 teams that year? Were they? Was that, like, that weird year where they finally, like, when like, Cleveland Melvin was, like, a seventh-year senior, and they're like, we're going to get... I don't even know if he actually ever made it to the tournament. Um... Maybe not. I don't think they were one of the eleven that they, year, honestly. They might Matt. not have been. Seton Hall. Was I have to, Like I know. I know. One, Seton Hall was. One of the Seton Hall every like was. every four years. Seton Hall would like have three seniors, and they'd be like, "Okay, we're drawing." I guess. Yeah, that's fair. I. Uh, I, I think this they're deeper because I always thought that like that Big East maybe had like two teams that were like one seed quality, um, that had a lot of teams that were in that like eight to ten seed range. This group, on the other hand, I feel like there's four or five teams that could easily be one or two seeds. Um, they won't be, obviously, but they're, they're all caliber-wise good enough to be. Um, and I think that, that the other five teams after them are all, you know, you could easily convince me that they're somewhere in that four to seven range. Like, that Big East didn't have this. I love, by the way, that we've, in like, three or four short years have turned into like the worst types of like ACC elitist people. <laughs> Cause like we were so not that for a long time. And then we're in, we're like, well, we're here now. So yeah, yeah. We're, we're just as good as they've always said. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but we, we were big East elitist people. So it was fine. That's true. We just took it. It ported right, right over. It was like a very seamless transition. Um, but I, I really don't think we're being like too crazy about it. I think this league is, is that good. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, J- Jim Beheim's not one to compliment the ACC much. If he says it's the greatest league ever assembled, and he's pretty much said as much, um, this is the greatest league ever assembled. Uh, that's fine at me. Again, you look at the talent here. You look at a team like Virginia Tech that is at best a fringe tournament team, and they have a guy like Buzz Williams who's been in the tournament. He's done that. He, uh, he knows how to coach the Hokies pretty close with us, among other teams. Um, and again, a guy like Mike Bray, who, while well, he's never made the Final Four, um, has gotten Notre Dame very far in the tournament multiple times. Um, and he could finish as, as far down as 12th. Um, again, there's just so much talent here um, that I'm hoping that that top five, including us, can stay as is and, and stay above the fray. Uh, but we're probably looking at something like last year where best team in the conference has three or four losses um, in league play. Yeah, it, it's going to be a, a grueling year, but I, I think – the nice thing about being in the ACC and, and having so much attention paid is that um, you're not really hurting for, uh, you know, respect from the the 
intelligentsia of college basketball. Like, people are always out there how good the ACC is. I'm sure other leads are going to be so tired of hearing it by by midseason, but um, it's going to be hard to, like, really get uh, left out if you are a, a, you know, legitimate team. If And if you're fighting for, like, the 12th or the 11th ACC bid for the tournament, then, like, it's uh, there's only so many so much of a, a gripe that you can have if you get left out. Right. Um, but if you're in like the top nine or ten, like you should feel pretty good uh, because that means you probably can compete with most most teams in like outside of the top ten in college basketball on most nights. Yeah, which go you. Um, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. One thing I'd be very curious to find out, like, and there's no way to really run this study easily, is like. I feel like because of the ESPN machine that gets behind the ACC, because of how much Billis talks about them, because of how much Vital talks about them, um, that any non-ACC-affiliated fan, I would almost guarantee, would know more about what's going on in the ACC than any other league. And I mean, especially the Big East, uh, which is relegated to Fox Sports territory. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I'd be shocked if... Not casual fans, but fans on a similar or slightly lower level than us, but in a different conference, knew more about any other league than the ACC because of the exposure factor. Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I just feel like uh, it's going to be, I think after this year, with how good this league should be, it, I can't imagine, like, I think you're gonna you're gonna finally convert some of these like holdouts in terms of uh, oh we should still be in the Big East like this, this league is stacked and this is what you want if you are a, a premier program and you know if Syracuse wants to be like that top ten program that it yearns to be you know you want to be playing competitively with Duke UNC Louisville and uh, they'll have the chance this year I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it and uh, I think that we are in for a very different uh, and very fun Syracuse basketball experience yeah. Um, all right, everyone's favorite audio segment. Let's go through games that you don't have a schedule in front of you, listener, um, and let's just say what we're winning and losing. This is how Dan and I started this stupid podcast years ago. <laughs> it's just as good. Ra- the radio remains great. <laughs> agreed, agreed. All right, leading us off, Friday, Colgate. That's win. a win. Uh, Holy Cross. Win. Monmouth. I'll say win, but Monmouth is not like they're they're. Didn't yeah. they lose a senior? Probably. I don't know. Did they lose the bench guys? Like that's the most important thing. It's a win. They're going to be Monmouth or the Dome. I I don't have any doubt. Yeah, I I I, uh, I don't really have any doubts on this one. Uh, South Carolina State. Win. Okay, so that's four and zero for both of us. Yes. Uh, noted bubble team with a garbage schedule, South Carolina from last year. Uh, down at Barclays. Uh, we're gonna win that one. Yeah, I agree. Didn't they lose someone too? Yeah, they they're the they're an interesting team. I think we beat them. Um, they have a couple decent guys, so I think they're they're like a. I don't think I don't know if they're a tournament team, but they're gonna be like one of those debt teams in the SEC that's like middle of the pack and like you you have some discussions about. Oh, so like everybody but Kentucky. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because the entire SEC is garbage except for Kentucky, which. Cool. Yeah, Congrats. they'll fight. They'll fight for like eighteen, nineteen wins. Yeah, which that's that's great. That's our like worst season ever. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. Yeah, I'm that I'm that guy now. Congratulations. Yeah, that was like basically. So it was like when we had just 
for Team Christmas and no one else. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what we did. <laughs> we reached the summit. <laughs> we beat Notre Dame and they went to a Final Four. Yeah, we're um, a Elite Eight it's and cool. almost beat Kentucky. We beat them that year with just Rack, pretty much. All right, <laughs> so collective five and zero um, at Wisconsin. Um, I think how you feel about this game really depends on if you buy Wisconsin. I do buy Wisconsin. I think Nigel Hayes yeah. is going to kill the zone because I don't think it's going to be completely like coalesced yet. Um, I've got Wisconsin beating us yet again. I think it's going to be further. I think the distance between the teams is going to be further than last year, though. You mean you think it's going to be like more of a blowout? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really a blowout last year. Like it yeah, was a game so that got away from us be... at the end. I think I think we're looking at a ten to twelve point loss. I'm gonna say it's gonna be closer than that. I I think we're probably more talented than Wisconsin, but Wisconsin like this. It's a very uh, veteran team. Um, you have Kanid, you have Hayes. Like they've both been there forever. They know how to play, um, and they really found themselves under Red Yard last year. Uh, it took them a little while. They were pretty bad after they beat us, and then they had the whole thing with Bo Ryan, which was ugly. Um, I think they're gonna be really good. Uh, the Cole Center is. Awful to play at, um, but I think Syracuse is good enough to hang in. I think it's going to be like a four or five point loss. All right. I can deal with that. At the end of the day, they don't, the tournament committee doesn't really care, you know, well, how many points you lose by. It's just that, that, that you lost to a, to a quality team. And thank you, Wisconsin, for turning shit around last year, because I would argue that is one of the top three reasons why we ended up making the tournament after all. Certainly didn't hurt. Nope. Uh, North Florida. Uh, that's obviously a win, even though they are the Atlantic Sun uh, favorite right now. Yeah, they're strappy. They uh, they they like battle out Dunn City every year, pretty much. Why did we schedule this team? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're probably maybe they're like an RPI like one hundred to one fifty, so it won't be like the worst thing when we beat them. Oh, actually, I did know why we scheduled this team. It was in that uh, that scheduling article that uh, that Donna wrote. Where, oh, where, what was it? It was like somebody like knew somebody on the training staff, and they were looking for a game. We were looking for a game, and okay, that works. Yeah, but like I don't love. I mean, but like thinking about them now, I don't love that game between Wisconsin and Connecticut. It's iffy. I I could see this one being like an annoying game throughout, and then we end up winning by like sixteen because oh, yeah, like we the stupid like, Detroit game. Right, like it looks way like you look back, you're like we handled that team, but then you're like, wait, that game was way way close. Like, wait, yeah. we won by six. What the hell happened there? Yeah, um, we'll win that one. But they're 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 a decent team, and it'll actually probably help our numbers when we beat them. That's fine. Um, okay, this is uh, the second big matchup of the non-conference schedule uh, versus UConn, who is probably going to be in the top twenty or so. Um, I got us winning this one. Uh, that's mostly based on being a homer, not necessarily diving into the matchup itself. Yeah, I think we're gonna win it too. Um, their UConn's good. I just think, I think our, our guys did up for this one. I think Bayheim will will get them ready to go. And MSG is obviously, uh, it's gonna be. I'm, I'm excited for that one. It's uh, Monday night, but hopefully it's a pretty packed crowd. Uh, usually UConn, Syracuse is pretty electric there. Um, I look forward to being there. Uh, I think we'll win it, um, but it should be a really good one. I'm, I'm excited for that. I really, I'm way into playing UConn every year. Obviously, we have them next year. We had them last year. Just get them on the schedule every year. Uh, football, I'd have no no use for them. Yeah. Basketball, play them every year. It's just such a good rivalry, uh, as is one of the ones coming up uh, a couple after this. Yeah, although to be honest, I, I, I'd be fine with moving Connecticut into the, the St. John's slot. That's uh, that's fine with me. Um, I wouldn't mind that if we... You MSG mean like year. taking... Yeah, like you mean taking out St. John's? Taking out St. John's. It's taking out St. John's for UConn, just playing UConn at MSG every year. 
Sure. And if, if St. John's wants to play every once in a while, I'm fine. I, I honestly, I have no use for St. John's coming to the Dome. No, no. Um, There's no so like they bring they, any fans with them. Yeah, if we want to even do like a rotation thing where like we play St. John, we, we guarantee ourselves either a UConn or a St. John's game at the Darden, and then occasionally we play UConn at the Dome or at Dample. I don't want to play at Excel Center. Can we just not? I know they will. If we play at UConn on the road, they're, it's going to be at Excel. Dample is such a better environment. Like I've been to probably three or four UConn Syracuse games, like, um, and I, including the last one at Dample, like the last year Syracuse is in the Big East. That was an awesome environment. Um, Syracuse won. We went to their bars afterwards, and all their fans were really depressed and stopped making all the Bernie Fine jokes, which was nice. Uh, didn't have anything thrown at us after the game. Before the game, we did. Um, no, but Dample, like, just uh, net, the totally different. It, like, being on campus is so much nicer. Excel Center sucks. Like, that place is terrible. Um, so, yes. But overall, like, UConn, Syracuse, and MSG works every time. Like, if you want to just play every game, that's fine. Agreed, agreed. Um, Boston University, uh, the battle of schools John chose between when he was going to college. Um, I know nothing about BU basketball. I assume we will win. Same. Uh, Georgetown. Uh, wait, I don't think Georgetown's going to be that good. And we need re- re- revenge game. We need to win this one. Yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of sick and tired of losing to this trash team. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> unequivocally. Uh, Eastern Michigan, battle of the 2-3 zone. Uh, who you got? Uh, uh, Syracuse. Um, shout out to Rob Murphy. Yeah, EMU's getting better. Uh, still not good enough, but also, better. Also, can we say bowl-eligible football program, Eastern Michigan. Way to go, Eagles. Yes, uh, a team that, that may still not exist in a couple of years, but right now they're doing bowling. So good for them. Get that bowl money. Uh, get your weird gray field. We sod it or whatever. Uh, and yeah, keep go, go, go emus. Yeah. Uh, St. John's. Uh, so, you know, your standard 250 to 300 RPI uh, trash opponent. <laughs> Can we please beat them? <laughs> Last year was just shit. I don't even want to talk oh, about it. Oh, that was it. the worst. Oh, it was just so dumb, and like the just the timing of it was dumb. Like all of it was just so stupid. <laughs> it was awful. Please, for the love of God, beat them. Yeah, and Cornell, uh, a win. Uh, yeah, Cornell's a win. So that takes us to the new year at twelve and one on both of our uh, independent uh, ballots here. Yep. Uh, moving on to another 250 to 300 RPI team, Boston College. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to beat them. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, they and St. John's will drag us down, but we will beat them. That's fine. Uh, first real test of the conference season, obviously, it's on the second game, uh, Miami, who could be a fringe top 25 team. I'm going to give Miami the win. They play us really tough. Um, I think this team will still be kind of coalescing. Uh, Laranig is a great coach, and the, they they know how to drag us into the mud a little bit, and they play that zone that can be tricky sometimes. I think this this will be a better team against the zone, but we won't probably see that many. We'll see Eastern Michigan, um, and I don't know who else is zone us before that. So I, I'm going to say Miami wins this one. I'm going with Syracuse. It's a home game. If we were on the road, I would be I'd be tempted to go uh, with the U, but I'm going with Syracuse. Uh, January seventh. Uh, versus Pittsburgh at home, the first Jamie Dixon-less Pittsburgh game in quite a while. Uh, I'm going to say Syracuse wins this one big. I yeah. say we're just going to exercise all the pit demons all without Jamie Dixon and Ben Howland there. Just like, Bayheim's just going to be like, screw it. We are running it up. Don't care. Please. For, that will that will be, 
That like would maybe be my favorite game of the year if we beat Pitt by like twenty five. Love it. I'm I don't gonna... know that we're gonna beat them by twenty five, but we'll, I th- I think we win that one. Yeah, that's fine. Um, at Virginia Tech, I've got this as the first conference loss. I'm gonna take a win, but I think it's gonna be excruciating. <laughs> like I think it's going to be like like every other like was was last year the Virginia Tech game that like went down the last second and it was uh, some chicanery yes. or was it two years ago? I think it. Uh, I forget. It was. Buzz, Buzz is, is I hate you know, Buzz. I know. I hate him so much. I, I, I have a weird thing with Buzz. Like, I appre- like off the court, I think he's, like, he's awesome. Like, I, I just remember the, the pregame before they beat us in the NCAA tournament when he's at Marquette, which was awful. Um, he had, like, a really cool, like, it, basically explainer of his whole career. And he's, like, he's really cool off the court. On the court, he is the worst. Um, and literally on the court, I mean, like, he's on the court all the time. It's, I can't stand yeah. it. But he's a really good coach. He knows how to touch in Syracuse. Um, I'm not. I'll give Syracuse the win. I think they're just, they'll be talented enough. But man, I think it's gonna be like one or two points. Yeah. Uh, we get to double dip on Cupcake Boston College um, on the 14th. Stop ruining our RPI. Yeah. Get off. Get off. Stop the schedule. it. <laughs> DC Syracuse is not a thing in basketball. It never has been. Um, this is dumb. I'll take a win at North Carolina. That's a loss. Yeah, I'm tempted to say this is like the coming out party for the team, but at UNC is tough. Uh, I think they'll hang. I think they'll hang with UNC as they have done the last couple of years. But UNC on the road um, on two Big days Monday. After, yeah, two days after another game. <sighs> yeah, that's tough. That's a tough spot. Uh, I'm tempted to take the win, but I'm gonna go with a loss. I'll play it safe. Yeah. Uh, at Notre Dame, keeping in mind that this is not going to be the pesky, well, as pesky of a Notre Dame team as we normally see. It is at the Joyce Center, which scares me. I'm going to take the win. We'll have a couple days off. This is probably the worst Notre Dame team in a while. Um, as you'd expect, you know, when they've been really good for two or three years, you eventually run out of players there. But uh, I'll take the win, and, and this is another, like, getting a win at the road, uh, on the road in Notre Dame is always pretty good. So I think we'll take that one. Same here. Uh, versus Wake Forest. Wake's played is oddly tough, but more at home than on the road at the Dome. Um, so I'm taking SU going away here. Yeah, uh, I think we'll we'll win this one. Wake is I don't know. Wake's in a weird spot um, in terms of like where they where they are. I think they are getting better, but I think the the improvements have been probably slower than they expected. Um, so I, I think Syracuse wins this one fairly comfortably. Solid teen teens win here. Agreed. Uh, Florida State uh, fringe top twenty five team. Florida State uh, home game going with a win. Um, I just think that SU's got the size to match up with them if needed. I also think they have the speed on the perimeter to match up with them if they need as well. Yeah, FSU's good. Um, I, I like this one at the Dome. If this was on the road, I'd feel maybe a little worse about it. Noon game kind of scares Nooner. me. I'll also be at this game. This Nooner. is my. It is a nooner. Um, I, I plan to be at this game. This is probably my trip up this year. Uh, so... Uh, I'll give myself the win because it'll be kind of depressing if we lose. But uh, I, think it, I think it'll be a tough... Ugly nooner. Uh, Florida State, you know, can tend to play that way. Um, and they are talented, but I'll give Syracuse a win here. All right. Uh, at NC State, I was really torn on this one. This is tough. It's it's at the PNC Arena where we've, like, I feel like half the time we play really well there and then half the time we, like, struggle. And NC State's been a weird team for us um, as much as we just, like, shit on them 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I'm going to take the win. Uh, All right. I, 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 yeah, I'm going to take the win. This is all, I mean, we haven't played a game yet, so who knows. But the, I, I, I like, I'll take the win here. I'll, I'll cave. I'll go with the win. Okay. Uh, versus Virginia. This is going to be a potential game day spot. 
I'm taking the win here. Uh, I think it'll be, like you said, potential game day spot. But a don't nooner. Love, yeah, uh, don't love the nooner. But I think if Virginia is in like the top four and they're battling for ACC position, like I could see the the, the crowd just being really ridiculous for this one. Um, so I'm taking Syracuse. Agreed, agreed. Um, at Clemson, this has let down all over it. Yeah, we we we've we've lost that little John recently, right? We we lost there a couple years ago. We lose there um, quite a bit, actually. We actually a, don't beat Clemson that often in basketball either, for some stupid reason. <laughs> which which really makes it tough. Like we, we really need to start beating Clemson in basketball, so we at least have something. Right. Um, like Florida State, they beat us like last year, but like Florida State, we kind of generally have the the basketball football thing figured out. Like they beat us one time, but whatever. They're they're better at basketball than we've been at football recently. So I'll take that. Clemson, we need to start beating consistently in basketball. Get out of here. Um, okay. but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Clemson in this one. They have good play. I mean, they have uh, obviously uh, Blossom Game, who is awesome, who will be a, you know, probably won't win ACC Player of the Year, but will be in that discussion behind Grayson Allen and all the other Duke players. Um, it'll, I think that'll just be a really tough environment. Uh, Tuesday night, 8 p.m., you know, a fairly quick turnaround from the Virginia game. Uh, yeah. Uh, at Pitt. I'm going to say Syracuse wins. I'm going to take the season sweep it into Pitt, which uh, might be a folly, but I'm going to do it. I'm going for loss number, that's four in conference for me. Um, I think I have four overall with the Wisconsin game earlier. Yeah, I have four and I have five overall now. I have Clemson, I have North Carolina, I have Miami. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one game better than you. I, I'm just a little less disloyal than you, John. Fair enough, which, I mean, it's... Not really that Who hard to be less disloyal. <laughs> <laughs> um, versus Louisville, I think we get right back on track here. We always seem to play the Cardinals around Valentine's Day. Um, I don't yep. know why. But, yeah, I think we beat Louisville in a game that uh, doesn't really create any separation between the two teams, especially when we have another game coming up two weeks later. But um, it's a nice way for SU to get back on track, and we get to sandwich two shitty losses uh, with two really big home wins. Uh, I'm actually going to take the loss in this one. I'm going to mm-hmm. say the quick turnaround, uh, Louisville giving us problems, uh, first matchup with them. Um, obviously, just kind of all the patino juju that happens whenever we play them. Uh, I'm going to take Louisville on that one. So that puts me at five losses. We're, we're tied. All right. Uh, at Georgia Tech, we get six days of rest. Uh, we're going to take it to the Yellow Jackets. I'm not worried about this one. Yep, I, I'm going to take the win. Versus Duke. Uh, this one is going to be at the Dome. Uh, yep. I am projecting a Syracuse loss, but this is going to be a fun one either way. Um, and at that point, like, you know, facing Duke is obviously only going to help the uh, strength of schedule. Um, I think it's going to help for tournament experience. Um, I think we're going to be able to battle a team that well, and that's going to start, you know, growing some, uh, some postseason hype for SU if, uh, if any of it had waned at that point. I'm going straight homer pick, two-point win at the Dome. Ooh, People freak out. Fans go nuts. Uh, Syracuse becomes like, oh, maybe they're you know going to be a top three or four seed. Uh, actually, in this, at this point, with five losses, they'd probably be in the discussion already. But I think this will be like the, the signature win uh, down the stretch here. Um, you're playing a very freshman-laden team that has not faced his own. Uh, Syracuse beat them last year in Cameron uh, with a much worse team. Uh, I just think that this, I, I, I for whatever reason, feel really, really good about this one. Right. I think if we're going to have that big upset against maybe number one Duke, not a bad spot. That's fair. Uh, and then the letdown spot, potentially, at Louisville. Uh, we do not play well at the Yum Center. I'm giving us the loss here. 
Uh, I got two two-game losing streaks in here. I don't know why, just kind of how the schedule worked out. I'm going to hit the win. I, I gave us a loss at the Dome. I think this will be like that weird reverse split we had in uh, with the Michael Carter-Williams team where they lost at the Dome, but then they had the huge one at the Yum Center. Absolutely. I'm going to take this one. I, I think we'll go uh, with the nice uh, winning streak to end the year. Um, spoiler alert, I think we're going to beat George Depp twice. Yeah, we definitely beat George <laughs> second at last game, a game that no one but us are going to watch um, because it's probably going to end up on ACC Network or just whatever digital network. I know they stopped like putting games on digital extra. I don't know if that was just because since teams were facing one another, there was no reason to toss the inventory to a digital only option. But in any case, um, yep, I'm going with Syracuse over Georgia Tech, which puts me at 24 and seven regular season, uh, going 12 and six in conference. I think I have the exact same thing as you, just different games. That's fair. Oh, no, no, I'm ahead. I'm a demon. I'm 25 and 6. I don't have the Duke loss. All right. All right. 25 and 6 and uh, 13 and 5. Okay. So that should be good for like third in the league, I think, yeah. probably. Third, fourth in the league. Third or fourth. Yep. So uh, Probably uh, a two or three seed, depending on what happens in the tournament. Like it. So uh, I guess quick, Dan, because I know we're kind of running over on time. Um, how do we do in the ACC tournament and how do we do in the NCAAs? I think we'll actually finally make a run on the ACCs. I think we'll go to the semis. Uh, obviously, we, the we ACC tournament game has... in, We haven't won a game in the ACCs yet. You're right. We should do that. <laughs> I think we're going to go to the semis. I think, I think we'll go to the semis and lose to Duke, because I don't think we'll... I, we'll find them again, and we'll lose a, a... Probably not a great game. I think it will we'll kind of be ugly. Um, and yeah, then... It is in, in New York, NCAA, It is in New York um, at the Barclays Center. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. I, I don't want to be... I'm not going to say we're going to beat Duke twice. And then I'm going to take this team. I don't think we're going to go back to the Final Four. That seems a little aggressive. They certainly could. Um, it seems a little aggressive. I'm going to say they go to the Elite Eight. I think uh, two really nice deep tournament runs in a row. Nice. Yeah, um, I'm going to say same as you. Uh, I think we lose to North Carolina um, in the ACC tournament. And I think that we get to the Elite Eight. As we all know, the tournament can be a crapshoot, and sometimes you get the matchups you want, and you do poorly. Uh, sometimes you get the matchups you don't want and you do well. See last like year. Like last year. Yeah. Where <laughs> everything, all, all the numbers said that we wanted to face Iowa State, then Gonzaga, then Virginia. We ended up facing uh, not Iowa State at all um, and ended up having to face Gonzaga and then Virginia in successive uh, rounds and obviously ended up being able to beat them anyway. Uh, these things happen. I guess in the Elite Eight, I think that's not anything to be ashamed of, to be one of the top eight teams in the country. I think this time there won't be any Cinderella story to it. Uh, we'll actually be considered um, a team that lived up um, and met the expectations set forth for it. Um, that's fine to me. You can't make the Final Four every year unless you are Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or really not even those teams because they've all managed to fall short of expectations recently as well. Yeah. I, I think we would all. I think. I mean, with the the season we're projecting, maybe there'll be a little disappointment. But it, it's hard once you get past the Sweet Sixteen. I feel like unless you're so, like, a, unless it's like one of those clear teams or like like a clear number one seed team like that, it's it's hard to too disappointed by an Elite Eight run. Agreed. All right, uh, Dan. This was fun. We uh, for those listening, we have a football podcast tomorrow. Uh, we decided since this is the season preview episode. We wanted to give it a uh, a full allotment of time, and we definitely uh, delivered on that. Yes, and we did not want to record a two and a half hour podcast. So, Which I'm sure instead you, you will get. get... <laughs> yeah, instead you get to us twice this week. So have fun with that. 
I'm sure you'll all appreciate it. Yeah, tomorrow's is going to be Tulane talk, so, you know, this is, this is the <laughs> one to listen to. For sure. Uh, so, Dan, thanks for joining. Much appreciated. Yes, looking forward to talking to you uh, incredibly soon. Yes, very much. Uh, everyone, thank you for joining us on Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, on whatever Android store you might find it on. Um, and uh, go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send him my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.